You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing on with another incredible guest today. So our guest, Carol McConnell, is a versatile and prolific contemporary artist who creates painting solutions for interior designers and corporate clients. She also works with couples and individuals to select the perfect piece of art for their home. With a degree in art, Carol worked for many years in the corporate sector before taking the leap into running her own art business. She now has a studio, gallery, and a commerce website from which she sells her art. Welcome to the show, Carol. How are you? Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Noah. This is yeah. a great day. Fantastic. So for those of you, for those of the listeners out there, do you want to take a moment to just um, fill in the gaps in that bio, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. I have a degree in art from a Midwestern university, Miami University, and um, I also had a background in graphic art and studio art, which was like painting and drawing. And I went into the graphic art field and worked for many corporations on the corporate side, not on the like um, art director, art studio, um, marketing side. I was always on the corporate side. So I did a lot of packaging, trade shows, literature, all that. It was really fun. It was great fun. But I wasn't doing any artwork. So I um, left that and I went into sales for a while because I thought, well, if I make more money, I'll be able to have more free time. Well, that wasn't true. So I did sales. I did media sales. I was a... um, I did a job share, which was really cool. I sold broadcast television advertising for the local ABC station. And um, I worked three days a week and I had a job share partner for three days. And I did that for a couple of years. And those extra two days that week, I rented a studio and started painting. So that's when it all started. And now it's about 18, 20 years later, and I am in a huge, beautiful studio in a fabulous building. I paint six days a week. I do it like a job. I'm here between eight and nine in the morning. I paint till five. <laughs> um, I do a lot of my marketing at night, um, and I just love life. I can't wait to get in the studio. Oh, I love that. And it's so it's so fascinating when you have that short version of the 18 years history it seems like a straight line there's just like oh yeah i I started painting i got all this you know i started doing this i opened a studio but we know from experience as as an artist myself i know how difficult it is to break through all the limitations and actually get to a point where you're prolific and you're and you're and you're prospering there has to have been some some difficult times along that way and and if if you could share a story of a time that maybe um, you were reaching for something that that seemed impossible at the time and how what was going through your head at the time and then how you ended up pulling through um let's see i guess i do a lot of commissions and people come to you with commissions and you love to get them hate to do them because they the people that you're doing the commissions for they decide when the painting's done where if somebody just walks in my gallery in my studio and picks a painting we're done so when i do a commission 
Um, I, the, everything is dictated by the client. And I've had one client, it was an interior designer that came to me. She wanted a painting of uh, a couple and it had to be, oh, I forget where it was. Where do they salsa dance? I don't know. There's a mountain in the background. It's a little quaint town and they salsa dance there. So she, uh, the couples in California never met them. She started sending me pictures. She wanted them salsa dancing in a red dress and she wanted them to look like professionals. Well, they took lessons and they had pictures of them and they looked like mm, they did not look professional as dancers. So she sent me like probably 10 to 15 different photographs that I cobbled together and I did a painting that was four foot by five foot. And it's not like I took one photo and painted it. No, I took the head off of one and put it on the body of another person. I even took my husband and put him outside because I needed the hand on the back, a male's hand. And I took a picture of him, his back, so I could use that. But, you know, and that is a, uh, that's like, it, am I ever going to get this? Am I ever going to get this done? Because it was quite complicated. It's not something I recommend for those that are just starting out because it's, it's very difficult with the shadows coming in different ways. And, you know, they wanted five other couples also dancing. I mean, this was just a, you know, a crazy time. And, um, I just love a challenge. So I take them on and then <laughs> somehow they happen. But, um, you know, it could it could have been a really dark thing because it was going to California. I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio, and um, I, you know, it was not going to be easy to make changes. So it came out, you know, they loved it. it. The thing about commissions is the people you're doing it for, they put their story on top of it. So they saw themselves as a couple dancing in this street scene with all these little shops on the side and the mountain in the background and the sun coming down. You know, they put their own narrative on it. So sometimes when you're so worried about showing the client the commission, the com they're much more excited because they've already made the story. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's always so tricky when, when you surrender control in, on a creative project, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Exactly. So I would, I would like to um, ask a few questions around the, the process of, of becoming successful in the creative career, because I think that's one of the things that it's a rare opportunity for me to, to have a conversation with an artist who's, who has been able to wade through the, the challenges of, of getting started and get to the point where you're sustaining yourself with your art, you have your own studio, you have the ability to wake up every day and create. And so for, for the people who are not quite at that level yet um, with their, their passion or their hobby, what are some of the practical tips that, that you can, looking back at, you know, now that you're out on the frontier of, of, of your career, looking back, at that early stage of your journey, um, what are some of the pitfalls that people can avoid? What are some practical tips that they can do to, to really gain stride in their career? Sure. Um, one thing would be, do not let your art materials become precious. Too many people think, oh, this I have these beautiful set of pastels. I don't want to mess them up. I don't want to open the tube. I don't want to put out too much paint. You know, I'll be wasting paint. 
And really, you don't know what you're doing with paint or any of your materials until you've at least painted 100 paintings. So dig in, start painting, put the paint on the canvas, put the materials on the canvas. First thing, just mess up the canvas so it's not white anymore, because that white canvas can be, you know, very daunting to look at. So my thing is, um, jump into it, get those hundred behind you, and then you'll feel confident when you sit down in front of your easel and you've got all your materials. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like I still don't have days where I'm like, what? I don't know how to paint. I can't, you know, but the thing is, I do know how to paint. I just need to, to put paintbrush to canvas. But my best advice would be get started. Don't let it become precious. It's, you know, I, I just remember keeping, keeping beautiful sets of pastels and, you know, not using them because they were so pretty in the box. And they're in the order of, you know, the colors of the rainbow, they're all laid out beautifully. Now mine are all tossed in a box. They're all mixed up. They're all, you know, they, they bled onto each other. They, it's just a mess. So jump in there, get started. That's my number one tip. I love that. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a quote that um, my old mentor, Eric Sue would, would often say, he'd say, scared money, don't make money. And it's, <laughs> it's I like just, that you know, you have the tools at your disposal and you need to actually take the risk and invest those tools so that you're able to gain the skills and eventually just get, get that momentum going. Cause otherwise, if you sit there and wait for it, nothing's going to happen. You're right. You're yeah. right. Well, so fantastic. So what were some of the, the highlights in, in, in some of the paintings that you've done? What was some of the, the most um, exciting projects that you've taken on? Um, I got to do, I had the opportunity to shoot photos of the Cincinnati Ballet during one of their practices. And for a while, I was known for all my ballerinas I used to paint. I have, um, I have cre recreated myself as an artist a thousand times. I don't really paint realistic anymore. I'm done with that. I'm now contemporary, abstract, all of that. But back then, I took quite a few, I took over 2000 photos of the ballerinas practicing. And I think they were actually practicing for the Nutcracker. What I didn't know is most of when they come in in the morning and they're gonna work, uh, they're warming up and getting ready, they wear really ugly clothes. <laughs> you know, they're not in the little tutus and the whole bit, but I stayed and while they were practicing, they looked more like you would expect ballerinas to look and I took 2000 photos and I thought what am I going to do with all these photos so I created a painting that was um 36 by 72 and it was oh I'm losing my words here it was two paintings 36 by 72 so it was actually 72 by 72 and I did all the ballerinas were on there were or male dancers, I don't, what, what are they called? I wasn't a dancer myself. I just love to paint the human form. So uh, they were all about six inches on this huge painting and no pose was repeated. Every pose was different. And the painting looked like two ballet legs made out of ballerina on top of each other. It was like one after the other and you could see the shadow. And it was a really large, it was a diptych. That's the word it would come. It was a really large, beautiful painting and people remembered it forever. And a couple came in and bought it and they were young lawyers just about to get buried, start their, you know, start their new home. They were building a home and they built the, 
the room for the painting to go in because I mean, you just, it was just so such an honor for me that they were going to make sure it had a place of honor in their home. So, and that was one of my first five figure paintings that I sold. So I, I was very excited about that. And it still is one of my most favorite paintings I've ever done. And people will remember it and still come back and talk about it years later. So that's just really exciting. Beautiful. We'll have to get the link to uh, in the show notes so that people can take a look at it. Yeah, sure. from your site. So, um, one of the things I'd, I'd like to ask is about creativity because I think so many people feel that creativity is an innate gift, and that if you either have it or you don't, and if you don't, you can't tap into it, and you're kind of just you kind of just on your own. What are some of the the things that you found about creativity, and and how can people harness or find um, creativity in their lives? That's a good question because some people are just naturally gifted. Most of us, <laughs> like me, work very hard at our creativity. You have to keep learning. I study with artists all over the country. These days, it's I love to do it in person, but I've also done online courses that are excellent. YouTube is just full of videos that are free and teach you how to paint. But um, you know, I wasn't one of those lucky ones that it just falls on the canvas. I really work hard at it. And I think it just comes from my passion. I just love, I can't, I feel like I have this secret when I'm at a party or something and, you know, everybody's small talk. I can sit there and think about art. You know, I can think about what I'm working on. I just feel like I, I'm the luckiest person alive. It's just really amazing to have this whole art career and, you know, I'm just so blessed to, to be a part of it. But um, I, I got off topic there. But I think it's just a matter. I mean, you you keep looking. You go to galleries. Look at the paintings in person. Look at the surface. See how they laid that paint down. Look online. You know, Instagram's full of artists. I, I follow a ton of fabulous artists. And I post all the time on there as well. Um, you know, keep learning. Um there's a book, I forget the guy's name, it's called Steal Like an Artist. And his whole idea is, what's his name? Cleon. Cleon. Yeah, Cleon. But his whole idea is, don't paint. Nobody needs the same painting that someone else is already doing, their technique and everything. But if you can take their color palette and apply it to what you're working on, or if you can take essence of something you see and apply it to what you're working on. That's stealing like an artist. That's not um, copying what someone else did. And in the early days, we all copied the masters and did paintings of their paintings and all of that. But at some point you break away from that and, you know, you've got to form your own style. And um, I just, I just love that. I just love learning and continuing to grow and continuing to change and, you know, people walk in my studio and they'll say, how many artists are in here? It's just me because <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to narrow it down, but I have several different styles. So it's so true. And, you know, looking back at, you know, when I first did my first painting, I, I, I made this decision to um, what it was a New Year's Eve. It was a New Year's Day goal that I said, I'm going to learn how to paint and hold an exhibit this year. And I had no idea, never trained for it, had no idea how I was going to do it. But I was one day at Marciano Museum and I was looking at this painting by Christopher Wool and it was a silk screen. He, so he just, he used a silk screen to put the, 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 the paint on the canvas and 
a light bulb went off in my head and said, oh, wait, I know how to silk screen because I had done this when I was, you know, in my 20s. And so it was just connecting the dots that says, oh, this is an approach that I could do. And I, you know, and so that was the, the seed uh, for, for that, that process. And I think that's kind of um, a similar thing. If you're getting out there and you're exposing yourself to the, to the processes and the styles of other people, you'll be able to form your own and, and use those tools to create something beautiful. Right. Yes. Okay. So one question I always ask everyone on the show is, is really about decision-making because as we're reaching for our goals and our dreams, we're, we're going to have to make a lot of big actions to, to see those dreams to come to fruition. And if we're going to take an action, that means we have to make a decision. So what decision-making framework or a mental model have you found particularly helpful when approaching a big life decision or even small day-to-day decisions? Uh, that's a good question too. I, uh, as far as art goes, I am constantly thinking of solutions and making decisions. And, you know, I have several, pro- I'm always working on more than one project. If I get stuck on one, I go to the other one and work on it. When I come back, I have fresh eyes, but I'm a, if anything, I am quick to make decisions. I think make a decision, run with it. And if you need to back up and make a new decision, then you do that. But being undecided and just sitting on the sidelines waiting to make a decision, that doesn't work for me. So I tend to run ahead and, you know, and if I have to, I'll redo it. I'll make a new decision. There's nothing wrong with that. So absolutely beautiful. Okay, as we'll, we'll leave our audience with one final question here. And if you could summarize one of the biggest life lessons that you've had, and this could either be advice that you've heard from someone else or just something that you found along your own journey, um, what, would, what would that be? Early on, I had a teacher say to me, an art teacher, um, he said, we were in a group, I was in a workshop with him, and, and I don't know that this is a life lesson, but he said, Carol gets up every morning and drinks a cup of courage. And that just always stuck with me. I thought, you know, I was kind of new to his type of painting, and I was in a room with a whole lot of much better painters, and I don't know, that just always uh, stuck with me. The other one is about um, inspiration. I think it was, oh, is it Picasso that said, um, inspiration always seems to find me when I'm working, you know, because a lot of people think that artists need to wait for inspiration. You can't paint until you're inspired. Well, you'd never paint if you always waited for inspiration. And, you know, when you think about it, inspiration finds you while you're working. If you're working, inspiration will come. So I guess that's my favorite. Drink that cup of courage and let the inspiration flow. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, Carol, this has been such a fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you sharing your time and your stories. How do, how do our listeners support you and how do we find your art? Well, I'm on Instagram. I, um, it's, my last name's hard to spell, so you might need to go to the show notes, but it's at carol.mcconnell, that's M-A-C-C-O-N-N-E-L-L dot art. I just started posting to Twitter, and it's kind of funny because I'm Carol McConnell on Twitter. No, not on Twitter, on um, TikTok. And I just had 
one reel go um, 120,000 views. How's that happen? I have like six, six posts on there and one's not going viral, but it's done really well. Um, I'm also on Pinterest. I'm on LinkedIn. It's all Carol McConnell. I'm also on Twitter, but I don't like to write. So uh, don't look for me on Twitter. <laughs> Instagram's my number one right now. Well, a picture's worth a thousand words. So, and your paintings are worth way more than that. So <laughs> thank you. Carol, thank you so much for, for spending the time with us and sharing your story. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode. <laughs>